what up, squad? Uh, welcome to another episode of Scream Squad. Uh, Jamie Rigetti could not be here this week. She is actually wearing her many, many other hats, covering the Tribeca Film Festival, writing many articles, doing interviews, and in the process of moving. And so, um, we are very, very, very excited to welcome to the dungeon, we have uh, Wendy Mays from the awesome, awesome podcast uh, Pet Cinematary. Well, welcome to the dungeon, Wendy. Hi, thanks for having me. So, do you want, yeah, when, Wendy's got a podcast, a, a great film podcast that actually focuses on, on animals in film. Do you, <laughs> want, you want to talk a little about that? Um, yeah, so it's, it's covers all films um and and we just kind of take a focus on uh the role that animals have played in cinema so even if it's not a movie necessarily about animals uh if there's an animal in it we'll kind of focus on the animal aspect of the movie something like you know inside lou and davis isn't about the cat but we can still have a discussion about the cat and figure out why the cat's in the movie to begin with you know you know the cat actually did you do an episode on that yeah, we did do an episode on I, that. I, I would like to listen to that because the cat cat actually does play a, 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 a an important role both physically and, and thematically in that. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, ironically, so the, your most recent episode actually was a horror movie, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, we did Link. Yes, so um, about a, uh, a a a killer a killer chimpanzee, or is he an orangutan? Okay, well, he's written as a chimpanzee, but he's actually an orangutan painted black. So, <laughs> so wow. he was just such a good actor yeah. that they decided to to keep the orangutan. But in the movie, he's always referred to as um, a chimpanzee, and he's you know a killer butler monkey. Right. right. <laughs> he is a killer. He is a butler, and he is a monkey. Exactly. Um, yeah, no, you 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 have done some deep dives on some uh, on, on some pretty crazy stuff related to monkeys that I, I, I've had the privilege of uh, of seeing. Um, we don't really have any any monkeys in our main uh, in our main movies tonight, but in honor of uh, Wendy's appearance here on on Scream Squad, we have chosen to talk about uh, some movies that definitely have to do with uh, with animals and uh, I you know fit fit into the horror genre. Um, yeah. So uh, I guess we we'll, we'll start off. We'll go in chronological order. Um, the original uh, Pet Cemetery, and I guess I say original because they did make a sequel, which I never saw. Yeah, I think there even might be like a third one or something. Yeah, th- is there's that a re- right? There's a. Re- I'm not sure if there's a third one. There's a remake, supposedly, oh. like everything else. There, there could very well be a third one. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Did did you uh, are you of uh, not to age you or anything? But did did you mm-hmm. actually see Pet Cemetery in the theaters? Um, I mean, I could have. You can right. age me. I'll one hundred percent just give my age. I'm forty, so I totally could have seen the film in the theaters. Uh, I don't think that I did, only because I wasn't the biggest horror kid. I don't think I watched that many horror films, um, unless that they were on HBO. So I saw a lot of like killer clowns from outer space and yeah, that kind of ones. thing. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know that Pet uh, Cemetery was on TV too, too much as a kid, I feel like. So I, I actually did see this in the movies and have not seen it since it came out. Um, oh, wow. And so it's kind of amazing and it kind of blew me away in the theaters. 
uh, less so, you know, obviously uh, 20 some odd years later. Um, I will say it might hold the record of like the movie that I saw with the most amount of people. Like you remember you'd go to the movies in, in high school with like a pack of kids, like a pack right. of friends. Like we definitely had like three full rows. Oh, um, wow. That's a crazy amount of people. Yeah, and it was, you know, it was a different time. Like, people, people, you could still smoke cigarettes in theaters. Although, I think, actually, 89 was the year that they started cracking down on that. So, like, people were smoking and running around and jumping in each other's laps and drinking, <laughs> you know, beer. I mean, it was definitely a whole a whole scene. Um, very different than sort of me, you know, watching it on Amazon Prime on my couch with my cat. Yeah, exactly. Um, who actually Lucy, my cat? I think there were some scenes in there that 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 did not agree with her. <laughs> Church and her did not get along. Yes, well, I think you know, I think she didn't really like what happened to Church. Yeah. Um, so um, I don't. Know, do you do you read much uh, much much Stephen King? Because because I actually haven't. No, I haven't. I, I I haven't either. My father was a huge Stephen King fan, and I don't know why I didn't end up just kind of randomly reading some because the books are around the house. Um, and I tried to quickly maybe listen to an audiobook version, <laughs> like the cheater that I am, uh, but I couldn't find the audiobook either. So I, I was going to try to read the book and see the movie before we recorded, but I didn't wow. get a chance to. That, I mean, that would have been extra badass. Holy cow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they did make a documentary about uh, Pet Cemetery, um, kind of the making of that's has. It's kind of more of what you would find on, um, like, a DVD extras kind of thing than yep, yep. A, a great documentary, per se. But it did have some fun facts in there, you know, about how he kind of got the idea for the whole uh, book based on, you know, where he was living in Maine and, like, there was an actual pet cemetery um, where the kid had misspelled the word. And just from the sign alone, he kind of came up with the whole theory. And like, I guess his daughter's cat right, did daughter's die, cat, yeah, <laughs> had died. And so it was a combination of those kind of things that, you know, he kind of just came up with the whole book through those things. So, and apparently, he thought the book after he wrote it was so dark. That he didn't even want to release it. And then it was almost only when he had like a final, you know, uh, book that he needed for a contract for like a publishing contract that he just gave them that one. And of course, it was like a big hit, sort of like, you know, in like the record industry where like, you know, a band has like one you know, album left on their contract and then they'll release like, you know, some compilation of B-sides or something like that. And then it, it ends up sort of being a surprise hit. Yeah, like, exactly. Um, so, yeah, I um and and it was a hit. I mean, I remember uh, I also remember actually this was, uh, you know, I was in high school when I saw this. This was the the first time I'd ever heard of spinal meningitis was actually in this movie that plays. Yeah, it, plays I don't a small I, role. I would not have known about it without and I didn't realize it actually kind of can look somewhat similar to what she looks like. Uh, but I guess the the makeup man did his research and he's like no we just you know made it kind of look how that ugh. 
Oh, one thing to point out, just just because you said makeup man, I want to I want to shout out Mary Lambert is the director. Yes, and we, we always like to shout out um, women horror directors on uh, Scream Squad, and she also actually directed. She had been a music video director, and she yeah, directed, yeah, nasty, like Madonna videos, right? Yeah, Janet Jackson, Madonna, mm-hmm. like all of Madonna's early stuff. Like she was, she was really badass, and. Yeah. Um, you know, she she did do some several, I guess, very legit, you know, uh, horror movies. Uh, most recently, uh, sadly or happily, I'm not sure, you know, how you would, uh, what you would say. I, I think her most recent movie, uh, or one of, I guess, one of her most recent movies is uh, Mega Python vs. Gatoroid. Oh God! Uh, one of the sci-fi <laughs> like 2011, you know, sort of in that. Uh, sharknado uh yeah genre but um you know she's been working she did some urban legend stuff and um this was big i mean there's a chance maybe this was the high point um of her of her career like maybe box office wise yeah i think it was in the documentary thing that i watched uh she definitely says that it was the biggest hit of her career Um, right it's what she's most well known for and then also it it got the best it received the most in the box office and critically. And, I mean, anyone who, I mean, if you follow, you know, what's going on in Hollywood or, you know, you read, you know, follow Lexi Alexander on Twitter or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. It's very clear that after this, she should have been offered, like, you know, a Star Trek movie. Oh, 100%. Or, I was very, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was talking with my friend last night where we were discussing her and we were both trying to figure out other things that she had done. And I was like. That sucks. It's because she's a woman. That's why you don't know anything else that she did. I'm like, if this had been a man, exactly what you said, especially like nowadays, if you, if an indie director, male director has one good hit, he gets to, like you said, he gets to do the new Transformers movie or he gets to do the next Avengers movie, that kind of a thing. I mean, we, we had talked about this on an episode of Fan Bros a long time ago, but there was quite literally one of the women directors on Sherlock who went to her agent and was like, how come all the other directors are getting feature deals? Mm-hmm. And her agent was like, oh, because you're a woman. Yeah. But like, yeah. <laughs> it, it wasn't even like that it was a diss. It was like, oh, because you're a woman. You know what I mean? Like, like that, It's just that common itself. knowledge. You could just yeah. say that. You know what I mean? And... Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, th- things are things are starting to change. I mean, I know that the next season of Jessica Jones is all all women directors. Yeah, and Queen Sugar uh, has been all all women directors, and you know, Ava DuVernay is you know sort of knocking down barriers by being the first first black woman anyway to direct a you know yes. hundred million dollar movie. But exactly. there haven't been too many women period who've done that. I think uh, no, but that's silly that it's twenty seventeen and and she's the first one that's been able to. It is no. Do it's, block- it's I mean, besides like Mimi Leader has done, you know, yeah. some big blockbusters, and then obviously, um, what's her face, Catherine. Catherine Bigelow. Yep. Thank you. Uh, yeah, she's done some, but you know, okay, so there's three. We can now name three. Yeah, and it's <laughs> it's. I mean, no, it, it's crazy. And when you look at actually the numbers, like so, this movie made you know more than five times its budget at the mm-hmm. box office, and this was in a different time when you know like these days you know uh fate of the furious made twice as much money in china as it did in america like did pet cemetery even play in china you know what i mean right. like, the, the point being this could have made even more money in a different time and you know now she's directing mega shark versus you know yeah what, you know Gator that kind of makes me sad 
It it, it should, and it does. <laughs> it really I mean, it, makes it, me sad that that's it, what she's directing now. It's yeah, um, because it's a pretty film. Like Pet Cemetery is. It, there's tricks and ideas that she did that. Um, it's it's a beautiful film. It's you know, it's one of the classics. I think. Yeah, I mean, well, for so most people. It's a variation on, like, the monkey's paw to a certain degree. I, yeah. I think for me, the only thing that I think is sort of a tired trope is, like, the use of, like, the quote-unquote the Indian burial. Well, yeah, know? 100%. Yeah, exactly. So, but other um, than that, I, I, I think, you know, and then they take the, you know, this so the, the monkey's paw is this old story where, which is based on an even older story of, like, the like fisherman the, and his wife. And it's basically the notion of, you know, be careful what you wish for because what you get you know, might not be, you know, what, what exactly what you want. And, right. um, so the, 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 the family, the family moves like, like, I think, I feel like half, half of all of horror movies open up with some young family <laughs> moving into a new house. Somewhere. Exactly. <laughs> and it's along a highway and there's trucks like, you know, going by really, you know, it's very, it's set up that there's, 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 uh, you know, a lot, a lot of big trucks roaring by and that yeah. apparently a lot of pets get killed and the family has a cat, uh, church. And, uh, shortly after they move there, I think while over Thanksgiving, while the family is away, church gets run down. Yeah. And the weird guy next door brings, brings <laughs> the dad to the Indian, Indian burial ground, the, the Micmac uh, burial ground. That, that's the, the tribe. Um, at least they give them, you know, it's a real a real tribe. Um, yeah. And says bury, bury him here. And, uh, you know, apparently if you bury your cat there, your cat will come back. Um, that this guy had done that with his dog as, as a kid. And this is uh, Fred Gwynn. Who many yeah. people will remember as Herman Munster um, in uh, in one of his last great uh, film film performances. Uh, just as an aside, I feel like you know you take into Mary Lambert's like TV history with her doing all those videos and TV movies and the cast, the three stars of the cast, the dad Dell Midkiff, who I didn't recognize but apparently was the star of a TV show for two seasons. Fred Gwynn, most known from TV, mm-hmm. and Denise Crosby, who played Tasha Yar in in um, you know Star Trek: The Next Generation. So it's very much like a TV thing going on here, which is interesting. I mean, um, Psycho, uh, uh, what's his name? you know Hitchcock used his his Alfred Hitchcock's t- you know TV show people to shoot Psycho, and mm-hmm. there's always a, a a thing there with like TV and 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 horror. Yeah, and I think it's a, it's another factor of keeping that budget down. Yeah. Um, so, and I know that this was the reason why this movie got made was because of the writer's strike. Um, so they could only shoot films that had, um, scripts that were already complete and were fine the way that they were and wouldn't have to use rewrites in any sort of realm. So you have, you know, Mary Lambert had been like wanting to get this script done for a very long time, but nobody would, would do it. And finally, the writer's strike was her opportunity to get this film made. Um, and I think she just kind of had to go to the studio and they're like, we don't really want to make this movie, but all right, here you go. And she kept trying to find people and just, you know, I think the budgetary, but, you know, the main actor was a good enough star at the time. And it, I guess his character in the film is totally different than what he played. I don't even know what show he was on. Do you know what no, show he was I, on? I, no, I actually, like, yeah. I, I actually had to look him up. Yeah, and, he's familiar um, looking, but I, I can't remember why. 
Right. So <laughs> he was uh, he played Captain Darian Lambert in the TV series Time Tracks. Oh uh, no, I don't know that show shade. at all. I mean, yeah, exactly. I don't either. <laughs> that is a forgotten show. Um, I mean, I think he did some other stuff. He apparently played Elvis in a four-hour miniseries. Oh, that's but, where um, I know him from. Yep, that's where I know. Really? Him from. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So you, yeah. I remember him playing but, Elvis. <laughs> I mean, it is interesting that you bring up the writer strike, given that as we record this, we could very well be coming up on another. That's true. Strike. And there have been some interesting articles online that I've been seeing about all the movies. And don't forget TV shows that actually got really negatively affected by the writer's strike last time mm-hmm. around. Um, exactly. So it's, you know, I think, you know, we, we, we certainly support the, uh, we support the writers. We stand with the writers. But um, there is, you know, a, at the end of the day, you know, that first Wolverine movie could have been, could have been a little better if, uh, <laughs> if, if they had allowed writers to touch it at any point <laughs> instead of, you know... Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a couple of movies that just really are particularly terrible because of that. And then there are some TV seasons, although I think I might be wrong with this. Jesse on Breaking Bad only survives because of the writer's strike. Like, they were going to oh, kill really? him off. And there's some relation there, yeah. Oh, that's really funny. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's like, so there's, you know, or or at least if it's not directly because of that, it's indirectly because yeah. of that. Um, he was definitely slated to die. And um, they ended up seeing the chemistry and they had the time because of the writer's strike to figure out and go in a different direction. But yeah, I I agree with you. This is a pretty movie. Yeah. Although a dark one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's very dark, but it's, I don't know, it is pretty. And I think like the set decoration did really well. There, oh, and, oh, okay. And, I wasn't so, sure if I could still hear you. Sorry. Um, yeah, like the the set decorations, great. Um, it's it. You can see that a lot of love and care kind of went into in, into this film and to make it look a certain way. Well, you know, I, I and and we see stuff. So you know, we in in uh, what is it? Um, Let the right one in. We see some vampire cats. I mean, this is, to my Mm -hmm. knowledge, the only zombie cat in church uh, that we actually see. You might know more than me uh, about that, about zombie cats. We get a zombie cat, and we get this zombie kid who is really creepy as shit. Oh, my God. um, I love that kid. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. So, what happens is, so they they bury the cat. The cat comes back. And the idea is supposedly so that the little girl doesn't doesn't you know doesn't uh, have grief over the fact that you know she's lost her cat while she's away. Like the dad didn't take care of it. Of course, right after that, the infant son is killed by a truck, like hit by a truck on the same highway, which is pretty pretty harrowing, to be honest. Yeah, with you. Like, yeah, but like, I, I'm shit. I'm a horrible human being that like. Uh, so I was watching this on like a Kindle on the subway or whatever, and of course that scene comes up, and I'm the horrible human being that starts to laugh when the wow. kid dies. Wow. Because- <laughs> Just me. I don't know. That's just my reaction. So everybody that was sitting next to me, of course, is going to see like a small child or a funeral scene or something and, like just think that I am the worst human being of all time because well, I'm no, laughing you, at this kid getting smashed by a semi. You have empathy <laughs> because if it had been a cat or a deer... You would have looked oh, away. Oh, that's a hundred percent. Yeah, I am way. Able to I, that. I can't handle uh, animal deaths. Uh, right. Give me human deaths all you want, and I'll laugh and applaud or do whatever. But like, yeah, animal death scenes I can't handle. I just the waterworks start to happen. 
I mean, I think actually when it comes down to it, I think most of humanity does say that the most disturbing deaths in film are either Mufasa, Simba's father's death, mm-hmm. or um, Bambi's mother's death. So yeah. in, well, in some ways, most people are like on, on you know, that wavelength. Yeah, and I think that there's like this weird guideline system that people use to tell how bad of a human being you are in um, in films. So like you kill another, if a man kills another man, um, he's garbage. He's 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 killed somebody. He's a horrible human being. If he like beats up and kills or rapes a woman, like he's truly trash. Like I would, you know, I don't want to even be in the same room with this person. They're need to be locked away, blah, blah, blah. They kill a child and you just know that they have no soul. Um, there is all this stuff, but you kill, like if a guy kills an animal in the movie, like all Beth start off, like everybody right. immediately starts rooting for his death. They're like, if I was in that movie, I would have shot that guy 10 times over. Like you don't hurt my animal. So there is this thing of like, people do put, have way more empathy for animals in cinema than they do in for humans. Life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and in real life. Yeah. Um, yeah. So are you rooting for, you know, I mean, the reality is he is actually trying to bring, you know, bring back, you know, when he, when he tries to bring back the cat, you know, there's a sense of like his motives are at least pure, you know, mm-hmm. he's just doing it to save his daughter some grief when he tries to bring back his son I feel like it's sort of understandable, but you know he's kind of fucking with force, you know, with like forces he shouldn't be, right? I mean, yeah, and I think like because he already sees that church came back, quote unquote, wrong, right? So uh, I don't church know why stinks. you, <laughs> yeah, church stinks, church hisses a lot, church uh, threw a dead rat into his bath. Right. You know, there's all these things that are like this isn't the sweet cuddly like tuck my kid in with it at night. Uh, cat that it was before so i don't know why he would then go to be like hey you know what let's put a little human body in there and see what right. happens um, well there's grief his his actually his, yeah a hundred percent yeah you know his his um you know his his in-laws blame him mm-hmm. I, I, you can sort sort of understand it um, and he course. does try to rationalize it like oh i waited too long to bury church and that's why he's weird um right. or yeah and so my son i don't know that well no wait that's the son and wife he does that with right the so wife. he rationalizes that with the wife with the, the wife like, yeah sorry so there's a whole backstory see this is the one this is another thing that i thought so so judd fred Gwynn's character who introduces uh-huh. him to the pet cemetery sort of gives him a whole spiel like he he introduces him to he's like oh yeah bury your cat here it'll come back and then tells him a whole story about how this dude in, whose son was killed in world war ii you know buried his son in the ground and then the guy came back as like this terrible horrible zombie right and that they had to you know basically you know lock him in a house set and the thing on fire and, yeah and the dad died and it was like a whole thing and so now he's saying, after he told him to bury the cat there, he's saying, oh, no, you can't bury your son there. Well, but he also, like, he buried his dog there, and the dog came back all evil. That's right. So I don't know why he even gave him the idea of burying the cat there if he'd already gone through that with his own pet. 
And that's it was, I, a that's weird really thing. the one. That's the one I gotta say weakness in the movie because I actually think the movie it's a tight little movie. Like mm-hmm. you know, um, and it is dark. I mean, it's got some real disturbing stuff, and especially it's pretty much when the kid comes back because he doesn't actually look. All, oh, then there is another thing. So there's a ghost. There's some dude who dies, like a jogger who dies, and the father's a doctor. Oh, yeah, and yeah. he's got, like, ghost. half a head. And he's a good ghost, and he's, he's sort of warning ghost. people, but nobody listens to him. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, the son is not all, I guess, because they buried him, right? They exhumed him and buried him right a- after he died. He's not at all fucked up and weird like Church. He sort of still looks angelic and sweet, um, except he's not. Yeah. And so, I mean, both of them looked too good. They were both hit by semis, and they both like that looked too. fine. <laughs> that too. Well, there is an art, I mean, which I, I understand is like movie movie reality, but yeah, and there is an art to putting yeah. people to, back to, together. Yeah, but put, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I actually attended a a open casket funeral actually about a year or two before I saw this movie. I was really young, and the person had actually been shot in the eye and it was oh my god casket funeral yeah so whoa and it was see in high school i went to an open casket funeral for a person that had died in a car accident she had almost been like decapitated kind of thing yeah, i'm just like why I, yeah. I don't think we need the open casket there no no it's really an interesting choice for open yeah. caskets i don't know i mean there's a whole there's a whole thing to be said on on the you know how we how we how we, you know, sort of deal with our departed or send them away. Yeah. I think one thing we can say is that we don't want to bury them in, you know, Micmac uh, burial grounds that have, you know, malevolent <laughs> forces in them. Yeah. Um, don't want to become a Wendigo or right. whatever it is. But yeah. So, yeah. It's like, uh, although I think, yeah. Who knows? Is it, isn't a Wendigo like a Canadian uh, Bigfoot or a Canadian Sasquatch? Or that's, uh, <laughs> but I thought it was is something to do with their spirit too. Like if they weren't buried right, it could. Yeah, that could very well be. It could be. I, yeah. I don't. I don't know. I could be mixing my my Your urban legends. Yes, yeah, exactly. exactly. Your oh. cryptozoology. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yeah, the kid comes in and and wrecks a lot of havoc. He steals a scalpel and uh, from his doctor dad and starts. Uh, uh, you know, Judd Judd uh, Fred Gwynn uh, meets his end. Uh, you know. Gets his, gets his Achilles. Oh, and tendon. he dies. <gasps> his death is like my number one fear in life. Like Which part? I, uh, his ankles. Oh yeah. Like the, I the used Achilles to tendon. be a hundred percent scared. Like I in high school, I worked at a mall, and I would have to like look under my car every night to wow. make sure nobody was underneath there because I thought somebody was going to slice my ankles. <laughs> wow. And it's still like one of like I can't watch that scene because it's so effective. I'm like, oh my god, that would hurt so much, and you would instantly just like be crippled. <laughs> Absolutely yeah. no, that's you know you know they cut your uh. Achilles tendon and then that's it. I'm just trying to think where else have we seen that in movies because I have seen that although not not as graphically as this. Like yeah. The, uh, the movie gets gory in the last few scenes and doesn't really. And then so he basically gets his Achilles tendons slashed and then he gets like a Joker smile slashed in his face. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, and then he and then he uh, then he takes. Uh, then he takes he takes the mom out, but not before. Um, I guess um, does he sort of turn into a specter of her dead sister? Because that's actually what freaked me I out. Have, the most. I have no idea what somehow that like was her about. dead spinal meningitis sister shows up, and that's what actually freaked me out the most. Yeah, I guess it was kind of the spirit, but I I I don't know what that was all about. 
Yeah, so that yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, oh, mm-hmm. that was the spirit because because they've been burying these people. Like burying pets there doesn't unleash the spirit, but burying people there does. There's something about that. Either the ghost or Judd does tell them that. Mm-hmm. But basically, he kills his mother too. Um, mm-hmm. You know, she goes to embrace him, and he's got the uh, you know got the scalpel on his hand, and um, that's it for her. And so. Um, the dad basically goes nuts. He finds his uh, his dead wife. He ends up killing killing both Church, the cat, and 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 the son. And um, when last we see him, he's uh, he's walking off with the uh, with with the corpse to 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 uh, to bury her, the corpse of his wife. And that's when he justifies the whole. Um, well, yeah. she, she just died. It has a She's picture. a fresh body, right? And of course, um, she does return. And mm-hmm. uh, they they have their embrace. She picks up a knife from the counter. And, and cut uh, to credits. Yes, the credits <laughs> and his screams, accompanied by his screams. Yeah. But yeah, if you haven't seen this, I mean, this is definitely, I mean, well, it's worth it. Apparently they have been talking about remaking it. And um, Pet Cemetery, I again, I'm a little, you know, um, I was the right age when I saw it. Um, sadly, I was not the right age for the next movie that we're going to talk about, I think. I I wish I was in high school when, when, when that came out, I might've, I might've let a lot more slide than, than I think I did, but I don't know. Any, any, any more thoughts, uh, any last, last thoughts on, uh, on, on Pet Cemetery? Not necessarily. I think it's just, it's earned such kind of like a cult love over time that it's, it's one of the horror films I feel like everybody knows about, even if you haven't seen it. Yeah, and it's filmed in that so. weird same like main world that a lot of Stephen King stuff is. Yeah, and they worth. actually filmed in Maine as opposed to like Canada for Maine or right. something or other. It's right. actually filmed in Maine, so it's a very it's like the quintessential like Stephen King feeling tale. If you are if you are at all interested in real pet cemeteries, Errol Morris, the great documentarian, mm. his first movie was uh gates of heaven which is actually about two different pet cemeteries in um in florida where if i'm not mistaken where i believe you might have spent some of your formative years yeah i lived there till i was like 28 right oh okay wow um, yeah yeah i'm from florida you are yes exactly (laughs) and you you had no experiences with actual pet cemeteries no i never went to any of those guys i I don't think i found out about era morris until later on in life well, um, one of them. So definitely, otherwise, by, I probably would have gone to. By the end, <laughs> and of I the... knew somebody. Yeah. Anyway. No, 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 no. What, what were you gonna say? Oh, I was gonna say a friend of mine. Um, so he does a. Uh, he had a film called Vernon, Florida, uh, and there's a an adorable old man in that film. And a friend of mine worked at a retirement home and would serve the the old man. I guess by that point he was in a retirement home, and he'd try to hit on her, being like, you know, I'm a famous movie star. I was in a movie once. Yeah. <laughs> And he was actually kind of adorable. One, of the, one of the people from yeah. actual uh, the Gates of Heaven. No, he was in Vernon, oh. Florida. Oh, he was, which oh, is okay. a different Errol Morris okay, film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not. Um, Gates. That's why I was like, this has nothing to do with anything. Sorry. Well, no, but but uh, ironically, by the end of Gates of Heaven, I and mean, one of the whole storyline, there is only one pet cemetery. I mean, it starts out there's two, and by the end there's one. And, yeah, you know, there's a whole. But uh, you know, Roger Ebert actually at some point in the '90s called Gates of Heaven one of the ten best movies ever made. I'm not sure it's that great... I would go that far, but it's pretty yeah, but it's a great. I mean, all Errol Morris documentaries yep. are. Supreme, like right. they're the best. 
Had only Errol Morris directed The Shallows. <laughs> Last year's big, big, uh, you know. Now, I, big I, hit, I, tell, was I it? saw the. I saw the trailer for The Shallows I th- when I saw either like Civil War or um, uh, Rogue, not Rogue One. Uh, yeah, Rogue One. So it was like the kind of, I guess it must have been Civil War. But like the idea was it was like there were all these like ridiculous big budget trailers. And then there mm-hmm. was this one about a shark movie with Blake Lively where it was very clear that it was just her versus the shark for the whole movie. And I was like, ah, that, that could be good, you know, uh, maybe just because it was so different than the rest of the uh than the rest of the movies. Now, um, this is a movie that actually I would say fits more into your, um, uh, well, I mean, there's there's more. My pe- realm. There's, yeah, I was gonna say there's more car- there's more animals than really people in the movie for the most part. I mean, there are a couple of other people besides her, but you know, we got yeah, a dead whale. We got, got a dead whale. You got, got you got uh, Stephen the seagull. Yeah, good old Stephen Seagull, real name Sully. That's right, <laughs> and. Uh, Oh, and you Sol- got the shark. Sol- yeah, and the shark. So she names the seagull Stephen, but the actual uh, the actual actor is named. His name uh, was Sully. Sully. Right. Yes. Yeah. And he did a great job. He did do a great job. I guess they had yes. gotten like three seagulls, um, but ninety percent of the movie is Sully, which so, I found very charming. <laughs> apparently, apparently there was a whole bunch of dialogue between Blake Lively's character Nancy and uh, you know. Steven slash Sully. Right. And they decided to cut that out. And, um, I mean, I'm not sure how, you know, whether that would have made the movie a better movie or not, but, you know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that it would have made the, because I feel like this movie, not that it's great or anything, but at least it's, it's only like an hour and a half, right? Right. Oh, yeah. So, like, to fill that extra, like, it did not need to be any longer than that. Like, it got its point across. Even, like, at some points, you're just like, how long has she been? Is this supposed to be real time? Or, like, how long has she been on that rock? I don't know. Oh, well, wait. No, I have to say, in the movie's defense, I mean, there, there, so there's, 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 there's a fair amount to not like. But I actually thought they did a cool thing by give, helping you keep track of time because she's got, like, some kind of, like, diver's watch that not only gives you, like, the time, but she's setting timers for things. And it tells you, like, That's when, true. how soon high tide is coming, how soon low tide is coming. And it sort of gives you that information um, in a way that's, like... Um, you know, it's it's obviously exposition, but it's exposition right. that works because it's like it's realistic that she would have that kind of watch. Because mm-hmm. one of the things that I was thinking all along was like, how this would have been like twenty times a better movie. You know, one of the one of the many mis misnomers or miss I'm not sure what the term is. You can tell me what the right word that I'm I'm not using is. Is that you know people when people think of sur- surfing, they think of like blonde California, you know whatever Beach Boys 1960s. Like mm-hmm. surfing is like a Pacific Islander thing that goes back like 500 or a thousand years. Like this would have been such a more interesting movie to me instead of like Blake Lively, this like lithe blonde, you know, whatever. If it had been like set in like 1740, like before, you know, the colonization of, you know, some Pacific Islander thing, it was like some young Pacific Islander woman who gets caught surfing and is on an island and has to deal with the shark. Like that alone would have made it so much more interesting Although she wouldn't have had the watch, that that would be the one the one downside yeah. to that. But um, and you wouldn't have had the GoPro. You would to not be have had the, the message to, to have, get the message. Yeah, yes. to give, yeah to get the message across of like, help, I'm dying out here. 
You know, and the, no this is a crazy here, thing. <laughs> I, I am no. We can talk spoilers. Um, I, I, I am someone who actually like pretty much my favorite genre of um, of movie. And forgive the sexism of the genre thing, or but like man versus nature, you know, it's like people mm-hmm. versus nature. Like I like the Revenant. I know people who saw the Revenant and were like bored stiff. And like I like Werner Herzog movies where it's just people doing like the most ludicrous things in the eyes of you know against the mass of nature that will clearly just destroy them. You know, like I. Mm-hmm. I like that genre. And this was just straight up that. This was woman versus shark. And, oh, 100%. And her... And I don't I, even think it has... It's like... Because usually man versus nature, um, it, there's some kind of like metaphor in mixed in there of like, we're taking over their territory, they're going to fight back. Or like, we're polluting their territory, it's going to fight back. You know, there's some kind of metaphor in there. I don't know that this one had no, it. Because she just, she's just... She's just going surfing. That's all. Right. Like, they weren't doing... She wasn't trashing anything. She wasn't doing anything bad. Um, you know, it just... Shit happens. You know, there was a dead whale that a shark wanted to eat, and she accidentally got in his territory. Uh, <laughs> and that was yeah, about no, it. Yeah, ultimately, I mean, she was trespassing in the shark's territory. Um, but the... the um, I also like... So, like, what... Like, bringing back... Like, in The Revenant, like, what Hugh Glass, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio's character does is, like, totally absurd. Like, the guy, like, on a broken leg travels, like, 500 miles or something. Yeah. She's just got to get, like, 200 yards to the shore. And I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, that you can see your goal, but you can't make it. Right. And that it's, like, so close but so far, you know. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a whole bunch of, like, hokey movie, like, whatever to set up how she gets into the situation she's in. And yet it's real. I mean, uh, you know, I think today I read an article about some South African hunter who got eaten by crocodiles. You know, Mm -hmm. like, shit happens. Like, you go out in nature and shit does still happen. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so um, I actually, my college girlfriend's stepfather was fishing once and they were chumming the water and their their boat got overturned and they were on the back, like on the overturned boat while there were sharks circling the boat. Oh my God. And the other guy started apparently losing his mind and started like really freaking out and rocking the overturned boat. And he supposedly had to like punch the guy in the jaw to like calm him down. But the guy was screaming like the only way out, we've got to just jump in and one of us will make it. Like, and they were like in the middle of the middle of like bloody water with multiple Mm -hmm. sharks. Like neither of them would have made it. It would have been a very horrific death. But anyway, so I, I, you know, so I liked the notion of it. And I feel like, you know, um, I can't, I mean, I don't, I don't really want to blame Blake Lively, you know, like for being like, you know, for them casting, like, you know, basically the modern version of Pamela Anderson. Um, hmm. You know, I, I don't know if I'd go that far, but well, yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, I, I am not a work. fan by any sort of realms of Blake Lively. Like I, I, I kind of get annoyed by her usually. And I, this film, I actually did not find her annoying at all. Like, I I enjoyed enjoyed her. There was a couple of gratuitous button boob shots that you would expect, but um, 
I think well, because she uses her brain and she uses her, you know, like she does like her training in the yeah, right, exactly. So we find out that she was in medical school and dropped out because her mom died and she's here to find herself. So she's able to use her like medical school stuff because she gets pretty fucked up, like by you know fire coral. She gets bit by the mm-hmm. shark. She steps on stuff. Like she's definitely battered, you know. Yeah, and she's able to jellyfish. Kinda, yeah, you know, patch herself up. Um, and uh, yeah, no, in terms of all that, like in terms of the, you know, sort of person versus nature thing, she's great. Um, I, I, you know, I just to this day, uh, you know, I, I, I only watched the first season of Gossip Girl, but I am always a little surprised that Blake Lively was the one who broke out, you know? Right? Like, yeah, me too. It's, it is a little, bit, happened a, there. a little bit of a surprise. Well, I think Taylor Moms and Discovered Rock and Roll, she would have been the, uh, the breakout star. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I you know, and it's basically it's her. She has a very simple but very very difficult task, and she accomplishes it using you know brain and you know um, ingenuity. That's the word I was looking for. You know, like she comes up with some ingenious stuff, and ultimately, you know, she she survives where where Robert Shaw does not in Jaws. <laughs> yeah, there's even kind of a similar scene. There was one scene that. That I thought that they totally, you know, she, doesn't she make something explode? What is it? Well, that I, and yeah. I didn't understand that. So basically she, she comes, she gets to this booth, Oh, she right? sets them on fire. I think it's right. the, the normal oils from the whale that have like oh, them polluted. Right. Yeah. That's the natural oils from the whale, like right. you, back in the day, they, that's why whales became almost extinct was because right. their, their natural oils and their fats could be used, um, you know, exactly. And so that's what she sets on fire. And I thought that that was a total, um, tip of the hat to Jaws in a way. I I didn't realize how she blows up stuff. Yeah. I actually, so at one point the, the, the shark manages to knock the buoy over and she sort of is hiding in the buoy, like in the metal thing, almost as if it's a cage. Yeah. That that made me think of, of Jaws. But mm. um, I kind of did like the idea of the use of the the her watch just letting you know high tide is coming at this time, low tide, you know, because she's on this rock and she can't stay on the rock. Once yeah. high tide comes, she's going to get, you know. And so the movie does a decent enough job of sort of setting up almost like a video game. Like, okay, you've got to be, you got, you know, at some point, you know, you've got like an hour and then you've got to get here and then you've got to get here. Yeah. And, you know, there's some clumsy exposition, but like when she gets to the beach and she meets these two dudes, who later get eaten and they're like okay over there there's fire coral and over there there's rock you know like right sort of... they're like sharks aren't in this area you don't right. have to worry about that and right. there's the low tide isn't you got to watch out because those rocks over there will get swallowed by the water and you won't be able to see it and blah 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 um and then i also but i did find the only thing that i didn't like was the, the whole like text messaging on the screen and I know that, but I guess they had to set that up so that later when she looks at her watch, you could have that kind of flash up on the scene, right, on the screen, right, right. and not be annoyed with it. Right. <sighs> well, I think we're still in this weird time, and it's sort of almost like a throwback to the, like the beginning of cinema, where they are trying to figure out all the different ways to, because of the, you know, the way we use text messaging and all of that in society, they are trying to figure out how best to incorporate that into movies because they do it in different ways. Um, but I, I agree with you like that, that, yeah. Um, like the FaceTiming, I didn't know why I had to see her face 
right of the face time. right no, <laughs> like no, that no, didn't no, make absolutely. sense i mean all this happens before the shark comes along um but and it's all like you said exposition to just kind of let you know like where her life is at and um, i mean i gotta say while um you know the seagull was played by actual seagull actors i mean we are in the final the real final if not post days of animal actors um, yeah you yeah, know, they're what, becoming less and less the, the real. Shark, the shark was all CGI. <laughs> now, the, look, exactly. the shark in Jaws, Bruce, Bruce was just a robot or a robot that barely worked, or, you know, walked or moved yeah. or swam. But, um, you know, uh, it is, re- you know, King Kong, Planet of the Apes. And, and actually, it's probably for the best. Um, you know, I don't think these animals end up, you know, I think they get the short end of the stick. And that's if they're lucky because they sort of get some end of the stick. Uh, when they're when they're acting especially in the old days but um you know it was nice to know that 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 the seagull was a real seagull and she actually uses her medical training on uh on him yes on him and fixes his fixes his broken way i know i i honestly like his (laughs) storyline i mean it says something about blake lively but his storyline meant so much more to me than hers did and again it's that empathy thing but when he's set adrift, when she finds the little piece of um, surfboard. Uh, surfboard and puts him on it and is like, okay, this is going to go to shore. Like, you just have to stay on it and kind of pushes him off and you see him drift for a little bit. And if a shark, like, I was waiting for the shark to come up and just, like, snatch him. And I was going to be, I was going to turn the movie off. I was going to be so mad if that had happened. See, that's what's interesting. (laughs) Like, you know going into the movie that Blake Lively is not going to get eaten. And actually, so this movie was successful enough that, frankly, you know, I could see in two years, you know, The Shallows 2, just when she got back in the water. You know? Right, exactly. But it's like, her sister, instead. right? Or it's yeah. I but my my I like or I mean, if if they have any kind of integrity, it'll be like the sister goes up against the giant squid or something. It <laughs> won't be another shark. But um, I you know like I did not know if the seagull was going to survive, and so of course the seagull is more interesting because you know the Blake Lively is going to Nancy is going to survive. Like you that's know good, that she's going to survive. And it's just a matter of you're watching this movie to see how she survives, right. and and the and and I give the credit enough that it's interesting. Uh, it's interesting enough, and the setting is beautiful enough, and they are sort of setting up these things like oh six hours tide, high tide, you know oh she's bleeding oh you know like whatever mm-hmm. that it, there is you know but you sort of know in the back of your head whereas the seagull yeah absolutely like I was totally expecting the shark to just come up and eat that seagull yeah me a hundred percent. Like, and even him just floating off and then you don't see him for a very, very long time. Right. And in my mind, I was just like, what happened to the seagull? Are they going to show, are they going to resolve that issue? I want to know that he's okay. Does she like take him in and like hang out with him if once she gets rescued? I want I needed that story to be resolved and it made me very happy that they did resolve that story. Yeah. I, um, you know, so I, you know, look, the shallows, um, there, 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 there's a fair amount to not, you know, maybe like, but this is what I was saying earlier. Like I saw um, Pet Cemetery in high school and mm-hmm. I loved it. And I kind of, I feel like if I had seen The Shallows in high school, and this is no diss against anyone who really saw it and, and loved it, but it sort of felt like uh, by the numbers. And yet um, I, I thought, I mean, a lot of the criticism said that it was like a dumb screenplay. I mean, I thought that it was a pretty by the numbers, but pretty smart screenplay in the sense that like 
it keeps it moving. It gives you reasons for yeah. her to have to go from here to there. It sets up like the the ticking clock that you get like in Hitchcock movies, you know, where it's like, you know, it just it, it presents you like I was I was more anxious watching The Shallows than I was watching Pet Cemetery. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think it was a terrible film. Um, I, I mean, I didn't think it was the best thing that I've seen in the past year by any no. sort of means. No, but, I don't think uh, anyone did. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, but I didn't think it was horrible. I thought it was it was a decent one. If you're gonna like lump all the like shark attack movies together, right? Um, I didn't. I thought it was it did it pretty well. Um, and I I don't know if how much that has to do with Sully, but <laughs> but I feel like that little extra fun part of the movie definitely added a lot to it. Um, at no. least for me anyway. Are I you think interested? if if he hadn't have been in that in the film, I think it would have been like I don't know, it would have been too basic for me. Now, what about um, if, uh, I mean, I'm assuming that, like, some of those dialogue scenes, which obviously would just be Blake Lively talking to Sully, yeah. are, on, are on the DVD. But what if they had gone in another direction? What if, you know, she's out in the sun for two days. What if Sully started talking to her? Like <laughs> like the dog with John Leguizamo's voice uh-huh. in Summer of Sam, you know? <laughs> do you know that movie? Yeah, I do. Um, that's so really funny. Gets, that would be funny. John Leguizamo's voice starts talking to, you know, David Berkowitz and, you know, giving these monologues and it's really a dog talking to him. And so, Or, ironically... If, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, if, if actually Sully had told her how to get out of it. Like, Sully, oh, you know, like, was fun. calling the shots and being like, all right, you got three hours to high tide. And, you know... See, that's something they could have done if they had done it with, like, a 17th century Pacific Island woman, yeah. you know, back but, in the day instead of, uh, you know. Because there's this is, again, this notion of, like, you know, the blonde woman who comes down to Mexico and, you know, um, you know, finds the secret beach. And yeah, I, I don't know. There's just it's that it's that whole thing. Like, you know, aren't there Mexican women down there who surf, you know? Right. Um, yeah. But whatever, I mean, that's, that's you know, look, we've got this movie coming out with Amy Schumer and uh, Goldie Hawn where no, they, they go down to uh, somewhere in South or Central America and it's, you know, the yeah, hijinks ensues at the, you know, at the... the sex you know. travel, <laughs> sex right. trafficking, it's so hilarious. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what's your, what's your favorite um. Sharknado movie? <laughs> my favorite Sharknado movie. Uh, <laughs> I've actually never seen a single Sharknado movie. Uh, I think I've seen the first Sharknado movie. And then I've seen that one really great movie where I forget what it's. Is it Mega something or Mega Shark. Is that the one with Debbie Debbie uh, Gibson? Maybe. Yeah. And yeah. then is it the one where it like jumps up and just eats the helicopter that's in yeah. the air? I believe that. Yeah. The, yeah. I believe that's. That's a great clip. I mean, you can't yes. do anything wrong. Um, our mutual friend, Kevin Marr, I've seen him do his geek out specials about sharks multiple times now. <laughs> so well, I shout, shout out actually more... to Kevin Marr. We might yeah. be actually watching his wizards, uh, you know, his wizards presentation at the Alamo draft house right now. If we weren't actually recording this podcast, although True. Uh, it will be also at the Nighthawk cinema, but yeah, everyone should check out Kevin geeks out. Um, they are what is it? TED Talks for Geeks is how yeah, uh, basically described it. Yeah, no, yeah. And, and you get to see cool people like uh, Wendy, myself, Jamie, and a lot, a lot of cool people uh, doing really uh, some cool presentations. Yeah, 
I 100% people recommend people go to Kevin Geek's out. It's always a good time. It is. It really is. And Alamo Drafthouse and Nighthawk are fun. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, I, uh, you know, at the at the Kevin Geek's out that we were both in, I actually did uh, shout out the performance of um, Tenga, who is the uh, chimpanzee who played Inga in Phenomenon, the, uh, or Phenomena, rather, the Dario Argento horror movie with, um, Jennifer Connelly, and, and as, as, uh, you know, sort of animals in movie performances go, I think I described her at the time as, as sort of the Meryl Streep. She gives some, a a Mm. really incredible performance, very deep. There are some scenes where she goes through every range of emotions, and, um, you know, we get we mostly see people killing animals in uh, in movies, and when animals kill people in movies, they're usually the bad guys. Um, you know that is not the case. Let's just leave it at that. In phenomena, if you haven't seen it, but uh, that's a that's a that's a great. I mean, it's not Dario Argento's best, but it's a great movie. It's got a sort of young up and coming Jennifer Connelly who apparently did not get along with Tanga, and actually Tanga bit yeah. her. Yeah. Um, but such is the uh, you know I think if you if you're watching Feud uh, on FX which I'm not you can sort of see similar uh, vitriol with uh, with co-stars. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know if you had uh, in your in your in your arsenal of uh, of animal stories maybe some a horror one or two that might. Uh, um, that, that I, I mean, there's about. a lot of actually really kind of great animal parts in uh in and not just you know like um you know like the dog from silence of the lambs or something like that where like these little baby parts um there's i have do have a a hilarious tidbit i don't know if you've ever seen so there's a movie it has like three titles um it's called like deadly eyes have you ever seen it it's from 1982 it's not I, the one that's called rats, right? Because there is yeah, an actual... Well, yeah, it's Deadly Eyes, a.k.a. Night Eyes, a.k.a. The Rats. Yeah, so, so I've seen that. Have you ever, yes, seen the that? Rat. Is okay. it like Lucio With Fulci? With Scatman Crothers in it? Yeah, but no, so it's not Fulci, but it's so it is a it's like an Italian or Spanish director, is it not? Uh, uh, oh, I don't know the director off the top of my head. Right. Okay. So yeah. So 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 um, Night Eyes slash Deadly Eyes slash rats. slash the rats. So it's about killer rats, right? Yes. Killer rats taking over this this city and whatnot. But did you know? And I don't know if you can tell this in the film or if you'd picked up on this, but um, <laughs> so because of budgetary reasons. The filmmakers actually um, hired a bunch of dogs, like wiener dogs, and dressed them up as rats. And so what you're seeing as the rats are actually a bunch of, like, wiener dogs dressed up as rats, which I think is, like, the most adorable thing ever. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, well, I'm sure they're, they're easier to wrangle. Uh, yeah. Oh, 100%. I mean, although, you know, a movie like Willard got made and that used all rats. Absolutely. Um, different different types of rats, but um, those were all legitimate rats. Um, well, there's also a history, at least with monkeys, of them dressing them up. I mean, they tried, Yoda was supposed to be a monkey and it didn't yeah, work out. Yeah, and, and uh, Battlestar Galactica yes. dressed up, what's his name? The, the Daggett, uh, yes, exactly. Yeah. 
Exactly and uh, the gremlins, they wanted them to be monkeys. And so, that's they, right. you know, they made uh, they made hay or whatever, whatever the expression is, because they, they sort of made advances with animatronics with the uh, with the with the monkeys and gremlins. Yeah. But again, those days are all behind us. There are no more monkey actors. There are no more, you know, wiener dogs playing, you know, playing rats like CGI. And um, you but know, I also think that that goes for practical effects. And I think the I always love puppetry. I think it always looks better on screen um, than CGI. Like there, there's something to be said about that lost art that well, it's becoming now a lost art of make everything CGI as opposed to having those practical effects and those uh, robotic creatures and whatnot. I mean, sometimes it looks like shit. But other times they're great and they're 3D and you know that they're actually there in the scene. Um, so I think it's kind of sad sometimes that, that that stuff is going away. Well, the dream is being kept alive by is it, is it Matt Stoller Zeitz, the, uh, the film critic who is currently shooting his great puppet epic Space Rabbit. Um, oh. I only know that because he's shooting it in my neighborhood in, in Sunset Park in Industry City. Oh, um, wow. I didn't know about that. Yeah. So he's, uh, yeah. And he's been chronicling it on Twitter. You can follow Space Rabbit and, and him. And he's, um, he's like one of those critics that I've been following since like before the AV club, like, you know, long, long time ago, right when the beginning of this sort of, you know, web criticism back in like the early 2000s. Um, and so he's, uh, you know, he had a big Kickstarter, tried to raise some money, but I know that it's a puppet movie and it's called Space Rabbit. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so I think it sounds like, uh, between the puppets and the rabbit, I mean, it yeah. sounds like a, a perfect movie for, uh, for Pet Cinematary. <laughs> yeah. It sounds right up my alley. Yeah. <laughs> and it's space. Exactly. <laughs> Everything is better in space. Well, apparently, you know, um, I don't know if you've managed to, uh, catch Fate of the Furious. The, I uh, have. Oh, you have? Okay, yeah. yeah, that's, yeah I've I think I actually seen it. saw that on Twitter. <laughs> well, I've heard that they are now basically, you know, that the, the next trilogy will be in space. What? That's They're going to go heard. to space? They're going to go to space. I mean, that it makes would sense. be insane. Look, I mean, the first movie was, as people have been saying on Twitter, the first movie was them stealing DVD players. And, you know, <laughs> the most recent movie is them, like, driving stealing. across the ice while a, while a, a uh, you know, while a submarine is coming up. Uh, yeah, a nuclear the, uh, submarines chasing them. Right. So, so yeah. <laughs> you know, um, look, you know, it's, uh, you know. It I, could happen. It could happen. It could definitely happen. But um, thank you so much for joining. Uh, we, you know, we, we've wanted to have you on the show for a while. And uh, everybody out there, tell everybody out there where they can find you, uh, you know, on Twitter or wherever on the Internet. Uh, sure. So um, so you can check out Pet Cinema Terry. Um, it's spelled how you would think. It's cinema and then Terry uh, dot com. You can go to that. It's on iTunes, on Stitcher, Podbean. Uh, my Twitter and Instagram feeds are the same thing. It's just Pet Cinematary. Um, and check me out there. Uh, thank you so much for having me on the show. Absolutely. This was so much fun to talk about the animals and some horror films. That's right. That's right. So, you know, um, well, and you and you, if you're in the New York area, 
um, Wendy does some live events or has some live events coming up. And again, we talked about Kevin Geeks Out. Wendy mm-hmm. shows up at, at some of those. Yeah, um, and I'm going to be starting a new monthly series at Videology. Um, that's kind of just the gar. It's we're calling it the garbage movie gang because it's going to be just bad movies um, that have some kind of an- animal element in it. So the first one I think is going to be May thirteenth uh, at Videology. So people should come check that out as well. Yes, absolutely. All right. Well, till then, uh, everyone uh, keep screaming, as we say. And, um, you know, mm-hmm. you can uh, follow, you know, The Scream Squad on Twitter. Check out our Patreon. There's uh, all kinds of um, all kinds of goodies on there. In fact, there was a, at one point it was looking like uh, this, the, an abbreviated version of this conversation might have might have shown up on the Patreon. But, <laughs> uh, but think things work. Things worked out. Um and so, uh, yeah, ch- check us out. And uh, Jamie Rigetti, of course, will be back. And you can follow her on Twitter and me, the Chico Leo. And um, peace out. Bye.